Chapter Three, Part One of the Markets of Paris by Emile Zola. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three, The Handsome Fishwoman, Part One. Three days later, and all was arranged. The city government accepted the temporary substitute offered by Monsieur Valoque without question. When Florent first presented himself at the Prefecture, Gavard volunteered to go with him, and when he was with Florent again in the street, he gave the latter several jocose digs in the side and winked impetuously the policeman all seemed to him a huge joke for as he passed them he drew down the corners of his mouth as if it were with difficulty that he repressed a laugh the next day m valoque initiated his successor in the details of his duties and for several mornings guided him through the turbulent little world wherein he was now to spend his days this poor valoque as gavard called him was a small sickly-looking man with a perpetual cough wrapped up in flannel and with a silk handkerchief around his throat he tottered about the markets with the aid of a cane the first morning florent was literally deafened by the noise around the auction benches crowded the retail dealers while the employés arrived with their registers and the agents of the shippers carrying huge leather bags over their shoulders sat waiting with their chairs tipped up on their back legs against the wall the fish was unpacked in the little enclosure while along the sidewalk there were perpetual arrivals of small installments bags dripping with water were perpetually pitched down men were hastily tearing off the straw from the crates and emptying them and rearranging the contents on the shallow baskets in the most advantageous manner it seemed to florent that a whole school of fish had backed up against the wall their shining scales and pearly oysters and violet-tinted mussels recalled all the soft tints of the ocean the sea had given up all its treasures cod swordfish plaice mudfish of a dirty grey with white spots eels deep blue in tone with narrow black eyes skates whose white bellies were bordered with pale pink and along the back of which on the protruding spine up to the gills were dashes of cinnabar striped with florentine bronze and fading off into the dark brown of a toad houndfish with their horrible heads their mouths huge like chinese idols their short wings like those of bats monsters who guard marine grottoes at last came the fine handsome fish each alone on an osier tray salmon of rosy silver every scale of which looked as if touched by a graver's tool mullets with larger scales turbots and brills white and firm as curdled milk tunnies smooth and varnished like black leather soles painted on all sides grey and white herring with their bloody gills fat goldfish spotted with carmine while mackerel their backs marked with brownish green and their bellies like mother-of-pearl lay with heads all toward the centre of the basket there were also surmullets red dashed with brown boxes of whiting reflecting the light like opals baskets of smelts clean little baskets as pretty as baskets of strawberries rosy shrimp gray prawns lobsters spotted with black still living and reaching out their claws in a helpless sort of fashion florent listened to the explanations of m valoque a streak of sunshine came athwart the scene lighting up all the lovely hues of these strange creatures it was as if some sea-nymph had opened all her jewel caskets and thrown them pell-mell on the ground necklaces and bracelets fantastic ornaments of all kinds heaped in one rich mass but florent caught a breath of the salt sea with which he was familiar he remembered that long guiana coast 
he remembered a bay where at low tide the seaweeds lay uncovered and smoked in the sunshine when the high rocks were drying and the wind blew strong from over the sea toward him the fresh fish exhaled the same keen smell Monsieur valoque coughed the dampness struck to his lungs and he pulled the handkerchief over his mouth now he said we will go on to the fresh water fish this was the last toward la rue rambuteau where stood immense tanks supplied by faucets with fresh water in slender threads in each tank there was a moving mass here m valoque coughed more the dampness was as great but there was a smell of moisture and of wet earth the amount of crabs from germany in boxes and baskets was very large that morning while fish from holland and england overcrowded the market there were carp from the rhine which were beautiful with their bronze metallic glitter and scales like croissonnier enamel huge pike those brigands of the river in their steel-gray garb tench sombre and magnificent like red coppers spotted with verdigris there were trout and white bait large baskets of young carp were being emptied into the tank the fish turned over lay still a moment and then swam gaily off bags of small eels were turned out falling in one huge solid mass while the bigger ones disentangled themselves and slipped away with the supple movements of an adder hiding among the bushes fish were lying on the flat osier baskets who had been slowly dying ever since the morning they gasped and opened their mouths as if to drink in all the humidity of the air while their sides shook with an occasional hiccup meanwhile m valoque took florent further on all the time talking and giving him the needed information the crowd around the wire enclosures where sat the employés with their registers on high stools was rapidly becoming more dense florent was taken within one of these wire enclosures where sat the agent of the municipal custom-house making entries in a huge book lower down there were two women writing at their small desks they kept the tallies the cashier was a stout woman who had piles of silver and copper before her there are two controllers here said valoque one representing the prefecture of the seine the other that of the prefecture of the police the latter nominates the factors and pretends to oversee them the administration of the city affects only those transactions on which they levy a tax he continued to talk in his little cold voice and had much to say of the quarrels of these two officials florent did not listen he was looking at a woman who sat at one of the desks she was a brunette about thirty with a dignified handsome face she was writing and held her pen like a lady he at that moment heard the crier who held up a magnificent turbot thirty francs he said thirty francs he repeated these two words in every imaginable tone he was a humpback and wore a blue apron he waved his arms wildly thirty-one thirty-two thirty-two fifty he stopped to take breath and pushed the osier basket forward some of the fishwomen leaned over and lightly touched the turbot then off the man went again seeing the smallest sign made by a bidder uplifted eyebrows parted lips or a wink and that with such rapidity that florent who could not follow him was perfectly astonished when the hunchback chanted forty-two forty-two going at forty-two it was la belle normande who made the last bid florent saw her standing in the centre of the row of fishwomen the morning was cool and there was a great display of big white aprons and stout frames the high chignon and crimps the fresh clean skin of la belle normande made her very conspicuous among the bushy heads with coloured handkerchiefs knotted about them 
and faces with swollen noses and impudent eyes she had seen madame quenu's cousin and was greatly surprised at his being there the auctioneer continued to sell the fish while the brunette wrote on rapidly that man is magnificent said m valoque with a smile he is the best seller in the market bless your heart he would make you buy the soles of his boots for a pair of fish of the same name he said as he passed the tanks of fresh-water fish that if france did not take some active measures her rivers and lakes would soon be depopulated an auctioneer was here selling the eels and crabs by the lot the crowd grew larger valoque did his duty as inspector most conscientiously he pushed his way through the crowd until he reached the spot where the most rapid bidding was going on the larger purchasers were there with their porters ready to carry away the choice fish they bought there was also an occasional respectable bourgeois who tempted by the prospect of a fresh fish for breakfast had come down to the market at four o'clock and to his great amazement found himself the unintentional owner of forty or fifty francs worth of seafood which after it was knocked down he was compelled to entreat his friends to take off his hands there was no little quarrelling among the crowd and also rude elbowing florent at last said he had seen enough and as he emerged from the crowd he found himself face to face with la belle normande she said to m valoque with her air de reine then it is quite settled sir you leave us do you yes answered the little man i am going into the country for a while to clamart and this is the gentleman who takes my place la belle normande was dumbfounded and as florent went away he thought he heard her say in the ear of one of her friends now we will have some fun florent regretted already that he had yielded to lisa's entreaties as soon indeed as he was in the open air and shaken himself clear of the sleepy influence of the kitchen he accused himself of miserable cowardice almost with tears in his eyes but he dared not retract his promise for he was a little afraid of lisa he had detected a certain compression of the lips which boded ill for him should he venture to do this gavard inspired him with an idea that was not without its consolation he confided to him that valoque the poor devil needed money so much that it would be a real act of charity to allow him to keep a certain amount of the salary florent accepted this proposal with joy it seemed only right in his eyes besides he really needed so little himself as he slept in et with his brother gavard said that from the monthly salary of a hundred and fifty francs it would be as well to offer valoque fifty it could not be for very long after all as the poor man was in a galloping consumption it was agreed that florent should make the arrangement with the wife to avoid hurting valoque's pride florent assented but demanded a promise from the poultry vendor that no one should know of this and as gavard also stood in wholesome terror of lisa he kept the secret in a most meritorious way at last every one at the eating-shop was content la belle lisa was more friendly than ever to her brother-in-law she sent him to bed early that he might wake in season she gave him a hot breakfast and was not ashamed to talk with him on the sidewalk now that he wore an official cap quenu was charmed that things were going so smoothly they sat over their dinner often until nine o'clock while augustine was in charge of the counter during this time there was much gossip and many positive judgments uttered by the pork merchant and his wife florent was questioned about what went on at market and he soon began to enjoy the regularity of this dull but comfortable life but gavard declared that the quenu gradelle's interior was too sleepy 
he forgave lisa for her tenderness to the emperor because he said it was foolish ever to talk politics with a woman he preferred to spend his evenings with monsieur lebigre where he met friends with opinions and he insisted on florent now that he was made inspector going with him monsieur lebigre had a fine establishment with all modern luxuries it stood at the opposite corner of la rue pirouette and was flanked with four small norway pines in green boxes and made a worthy pendant to the eating-house of the Gardels. the large panes of glass allowed a full view of the interior papered in pale green and garlanded with grapevines the floor was in squares of black and white marble a winding staircase curtained with red led to the billiard-room below but the counter on the right was very imposing with its display of silver gas-lamps to keep wine and punch hot were at one end and at the other was a marble fountain much ornamented from which fell so continuous a stream of water that it looked almost as if it too were carved green bottles were cooling in the water while whole armies of glasses arranged in different sizes were near at hand small ones for brandy thick goblets absinthe glasses and saucers for brandied fruits tall vases served to hold any number of spoons generally m lebigre was enthroned behind the counter on an armchair covered with red leather close at his hand were liqueurs and decanters of cut glass jars of brandied fruits cherries prunes and peaches and between piles of toothsome biscuit were bottles filled with mysterious liqueurs like extracts from flowers so delicate with their hues of pale pink and clear yellow these bottles looked as if they were suspended in the air as the strong white light of the gas fell upon them to give to his establishment the air of a café, M. Lebigre had placed opposite the counter against the wall two small tables and four chairs. A chandelier, with five burners and polished globes, hung from the ceiling. A round-faced clock was on the left. There was in the rear a private room, which had one window looking on la rue Pirouette. In the evening it was lighted by gas it was in this secluded retreat that gavard and his political friends met after their dinner every evening they considered themselves thoroughly at home there and no one was ever allowed to usurp their places or to intrude upon them the first day gavard gave some little account of monsieur lebigre to florent he was a good man and an excellent man they had heard him say that he had suffered in forty-eight he might seem stupid but he was not and these gentlemen as they passed his counter gave him a hearty shake of the hand over his glasses and decanters often by his side sat a little woman a girl whom he had taken as his assistant she was called rose and was sweet and submissive gavard with a wink insinuated to florent that she carried her submission to a very great length with the proprietor nevertheless all these gentlemen liked to be served by rose who went in and out as quietly as a shadow and seemed not to hear a word of their most stormy political discussions the day that gavard was to present florent to his friends they beheld on entering the private room an individual of about fifty with a doubtful hat and a much-worn brown coat his chin was resting on an ivory-headed cane and his mouth was so buried in a full beard that his face seemed destitute of lips how are you robin asked gavard robin silently extended his hand he did not speak and hardly winked he replaced his chin on his cane and earnestly inspected florent who had sworn gavard to secrecy in regard to his story 
and was now disposed to believe that this promise had been broken and that this gentleman distrusted him but he was mistaken never did robin talk more than this he was always the first to enter the room and sat invariably in the same corner without once laying down his cane he sat listening to the others drinking only the one glass and that so imperceptibly that it lasted until midnight when florent some time later questioned gavard on robin he was told that this person was very shrewd but no reasons were given and no instances cited of this marvellous shrewdness it was roundly asserted however that he was one of the men of the opposition most dreaded by the government he lived in la rue saint-denis but no one was ever known to have entered his rooms gavard stoutly asseverated that on one memorable occasion he had done so and had seen highly waxed floors and an alabaster clock with columns madame robin whose back only he had seen as he went in was very comme il faut and wore english curls unless he was greatly mistaken the menage was a peculiar one the husband had no business apparently he spent his days no one knew where lived no one knew how but appeared among them regularly each evening have you seen this address from the throne said gavard taking up a journal from the table robin shrugged his shoulders but the door opened wide and a hunchback entered the hunchback from the market a very different-looking person he was now however ah here comes logre said the poultry vendor he will tell us all the news and what he thinks of the speech from the throne but logre threw down his hat furiously and as he seated himself gave a pound on the table with his fist do you think i read their blasted lies he cried the hunchback was evidently much out of humour he soon found a victim rose rose he called going to the door of the cabinet and when the young woman appeared all in a tremble he said why do you stand looking at me you saw me come in and yet you do not trouble yourself to see what i want rose humbly apologized received the orders from logre and the other two men who soon had their glasses at their side where is charvet said one waiting for clemence outside was the reply but charvet appeared he was a tall bony fellow who lived near the luxembourg his hair was long and thrown back from his forehead he talked with a rapid flow of words which were so long and so erudite that his adversaries were generally floored gavard was afraid of him though he would not acknowledge it even to himself and always said when charvet was not there that he was utterly unendurable robin approved all that was said only with his eyelids logre was the only one in the little group who ventured to argue with this authoritative personage he and clemence had lived together as man and wife for ten years and as florent looked at the young woman he at last remembered where he had seen her she was the brunette whom he had seen writing in the fish-market rose appeared on the heels of the newcomers she placed a glass before clemence also a plate with a lemon cut in halves clemence mixed her glass of grog herself pressing the lemon with a spoon and holding the decanter of rum up to the light to see that she did not take too much gavard presented florent to these gentlemen with an especial recommendation to charvet he said that they were both clever men who would understand each other they all shook hands with the newcomer in a peculiar sort of way suggestive of the masonic grip charvet showed himself quite amiable have you received your pay to-day asked logre of clemence she said yes and opened her pocket-book and showed it to him full of silver we must settle our accounts he said in a low voice 
certainly to-night i have breakfasted with you four times but then you know i lent you five francs last week florent in surprise turned away his head lest he should hear what was not intended for him clemence sipped her glass and leaned back against the wall and listened to the men talking politics gavard took up the paper and read in a manner which he attempted to make comic disjointed fragments from the speech from the throne spoken that morning at the opening of the chambers one phrase amused him excessively we are confident gentlemen relying as we do on your enlightened views and on the conservative sentiments of the country that we shall see the daily growth of public prosperity logre repeated this phrase and even imitated the nasal twang of the emperor prosperity is a very nice thing said charvet but there is a good deal of starvation nowadays business is at a standstill muttered gavard the discussion grew quite violent the legislative body was handled without gloves logre became quite excited stood up and gesticulated in much the same attitude in which he stood in the market and sold off a fine turbot charvet was quite reserved and smoked his pipe steadily when he did speak his voice rang through the room robin nodded an assent without taking his chin from the ivory of his cane finally the conversation turned upon women women said charvet are the equals of men there should be consequently no inseparable bonds to bind them together it should be a mere business partnership you agree with me clemence evidently she answered with her head against the wall and her eyes half closed florent saw through the half-open door mademoiselle saget at the counter she had drawn a bottle from under her apron and watched rose as the latter filled it with a mixture of raspberry cordial and brandy the bottle was handed to mademoiselle saget who then quickly concealed it under her apron and lingered to chat a little the establishment that night was especially brilliant and the old maid in her scanty black skirts was a strange blemish on the scene florent fancied she had seen him for ever since he had first entered the hall she had been on his heels he had often seen her with madame lecoeur or la sarriette watching him stealthily his appointment as inspector seemed to astonish these women greatly mademoiselle saget said a few words to rose and then turned to a table near the door of the private room where m lebigre was playing piquet with a customer shut the door florent said gavard roughly who detested the old maid lacaille who had joined the group meekly obeyed at midnight when the conference broke up lacaille said a few words in a low voice to lebigre who as he shook hands with him slipped four or five franc pieces into his hand and whispered you know it is twenty-two francs to-morrow do not forget also that you owe three days for the carriage let everything be paid up Monsieur lebigre wished these gentlemen good-night he was sleepy he said and his yawn disclosed his strong white teeth he bade rose put out the gas in the private room and turned away gavard was a little tipsy and stumbled as he went out florent left him at his own door and went up to his attic which he had learned to like very much augustine's presence still lingered in the room on the chimney were a hairpin or two a box of gilt pasteboard containing buttons and pastels an empty pomade pot which smelt of jasmine in the table drawer were a prayer book some needles and pins a spool of cotton also a tumbled copy of a key to dreams a summer dress white with yellow spots hung on a nail behind the door while on the board which did duty as a washstand behind the water pitcher was a dark spot where a bottle of bandoline had been tipped over 
laurent was amused by the childishness of the key to dreams and the gilt boxes they took him back to his own youth he forgot augustine and fancied himself occupying the room of a dear sister who had left behind her something of her feminine presence he liked too to lean out of the window of his attic to this window was attached a narrow balcony with iron railings where augustine had kept a box of flowers which florent now that the nights had grown chilly took into the house he would remain for an hour or more looking out and enjoying the fresh air which came from the seine over the houses in la rue de rivoli below were the confused masses of the market roofs above a broad glimpse of the open sky here he thought with mingled pain and pleasure of the despairing years he had spent out of france at last with a shiver he would close his window and as he took off his coat feel that the eyes of the photographs of auguste and augustine were following his every movement the first weeks of florent's new employment were very painful he found a certain covert hostility la belle normande had sworn to avenge herself on la belle lisa and the cousin was a good opportunity the mahoudans had come from rouen the old mother still told how she arrived in paris with a few eels in a basket she married an employé at the custom-house who died leaving her the mother of two little girls it was she who by her full figure and resplendent skin had won the title of la belle normande which her daughter had inherited the old woman had grown immensely stout and had never renounced the fashions of her youth she still wore a dress of large figured material and a yellow fichu the traditional costume of fishwomen and had also preserved the loud voice and arms akimbo and had the slang of the fish-market at the end of her tongue she mourned over the loss of the marché des innocents spoke of the former rights of the dame des halles and told of visits paid to the market by the court in the reign of charles x and of louis philippe the ladies in silk dresses and with flowers in their hands mother mehuden as she was called had been for a long time the bearer of the banner in the association of the virgin in the processions in the church she wore a tulle cap with satin ribbons and held aloft with her swollen hands the golden standard from which floated a richly figured flag on which was embroidered a virgin mother mahoudan it was rumoured had made a great fortune the two sisters were not especially good friends the youngest claire an indolent blonde had many complaints to make of her sister louise the mother surrendered her own stall to louise and installed claire among the freshwater fish and although she called herself out of the business she wandered about the markets all day claire was a whimsical creature very gentle and yet always in a quarrel with those about her she was quietly obstinate and wilful with not the smallest idea of justice she often revolutionized the market making the prices higher or lower as she pleased without being able to say why herself she was nearly thirty and was beginning to grow a little heavy but at twenty-two she looked as claude lancier had said like a murillo and a most untidy murillo too with her slipshod shoes and her dress cut as if by a hatchet she was not in the least coquettish and was indeed quite contemptuous when louise appeared in her ribbons it was said that the son of a rich bookseller in the quartier had gone to a foreign land in despair at not being able to obtain a good word from her louise la belle normande was much more tender-hearted she was on the point of marrying an employé in the wheat market when the poor fellow's back was broken by the fall of a load of flour 
nevertheless she had a child some few months later and was politely spoken of as a widow the old fishwoman often said when my son-in-law was living these mahoudens were a power in the hall when m valoque had given florent every possible aid he gently intimated that he must manage several among the market women if he wished to live in peace he even suggested that an occasional little present would be by no means amiss an inspector is both a police officer and a justice of the peace keeping order and conciliating the differences arising between purchaser and seller florent unfitted by nature to play this role went too far whenever he exercised his authority and then too his constrained manner and sad face were much against him the tactics of la belle normande was to draw him into some quarrel as she had sworn that he should not keep his position a fortnight if that fat lisa thinks we are going to take up with her leavings she is greatly mistaken the man is hideous we have more taste than she after the morning's auctions when florent went through the markets he saw perfectly well that la belle normande wished to insult him when he passed her stall she laughed immoderately and generally turned the water from the faucets over the alley florent pretended not to see or hear one morning however war was declared that day when florent reached the stall occupied by la belle normande he perceived a most intolerable odour he saw fine salmon rosy perch turbots as white as cream mullets and soles and among these fish whose eyes were still bright was a large skate which was putrid and the flesh falling from the bones that skate must be thrown away said florent going up to the stall la belle normande laughed insolently he looked at her never had he seen her so gorgeous she seemed unusually tall as she stood on a box to protect her feet from the dampness her hair was carefully dressed and a gold chain hung over her breast and long gold rings from her ears he repeated quietly this skate cannot remain here he had not noticed mother mahoudan who was sitting on a chair in the corner she rose and coming forward she leaned with her hands on the marble slab and why said she why should she throw this fish away will you pay her for it end of chapter three part one